0: back to Adherent Apologetics. As always, we are brought to you by you with your support on patreon.com slash adherentapologetics. Today, I'm joined by Matt Bellifuel. I don't speak. Um, I know I butchered that. We were just talking about that off stream. He wrote the um, YouTube channel, and I refer to him as Matt for the rest of this conversation. But Matt, uh, how are you doing? Welcome. To- I'm, uh,
1: I'm doing great. Um, that's okay. People butcher it all the time. It's not the worst I've ever heard the worst i've ever heard was someone said a bellophile and i was like oh oh that's just (laughs) gross so it's been worse but i'm just excited to hang out zach and um talk about doubt and uh yeah it's i'm just really really excited as i was preparing today i was getting more and more excited so well i'm really excited
0: to talk to you it's going to be a lot of fun uh to talk about an important topic such as doubt just for people listening um Tell us a little bit about like who you are and what you do first. I'd love to hear how do you actually say your last name, and then um, talk a little bit about like who you are and what you do. Uh,
1: My name's Matt Belzfei, and uh, I I have French Canadian heritage because I'm from Canada and I live in Canada. And what I do here is I, I did I wear a lot of hats in my life. One of those is being a youth pastor and hanging out with teenagers every single week, junior high and high school students, and I absolutely love that. And then another hat that I wear, that a thing that I do is, like you said, I have a YouTube channel where um, I post videos. Um, used to be weekly, now it's monthly, uh, but I spend a lot of time trying to be a hashtag adventurous truth seeker, which mm-hmm. is kind of a part, like right at the core of what it is I try to do. So my days look different. Some days I'm, I'm at youth group and working at church, and then other days I'm Um, I'm at my other job that I didn't even talk about. It's other days I'm working on YouTube videos. So it's a variety and I absolutely love it.
0: Yeah, well, that's awesome. Um, So today we're just going to be talking just a conversation about doubt and navigating doubt as Christians and such. Uh, We'll open up to questions at the end. If anyone has questions, you can drop those in in the live chat. Uh, But for now, like I'm curious, like what got you interested in like doubt? Obviously, kind of like a very big topic and there's a lot that can be said but like and when you look at like doubt and apologetics and like all these things like what got you really interested in thinking about these topics
1: yeah well that's a great question and um i wish i could say that it started with like picking up cs lewis or i saw william lane craig debate or something like that but the truth is um my interest in doubt wasn't really an interest it was just a yeah. reality yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and so i went to bible college i studied at moody bible institute chicago and um and i took an apologetics class um in my final year there and and that class really was about more like approaches to apologetics like classical versus evidentialism or you know like reformed or for like like all, all the all those Topics that you see apologists talking and fighting over online. Yeah. How to approach apologetics, but mm-hmm. for me in Bible College, it was far more than the theory. It was very real. Um, in Bible College, it was about the time when Zeitgeist came out, um, that documentary that was kind of trying. Uh, part of it was trying to debunk this idea that Jesus was a historical person, and rather that he was just kind of a retelling of uh, solar deities. He's just like Mithras. He's just like Horus, um, and he's kind of a retelling. and And that really shook me that was kind of just like almost like a lighting a fuse and i and i had a lot of really intense questions and a lot of really intense doubts at bible college um and so it wasn't something that was theoretical i I wish that it was something that i had engaged at a theoretical level at bible college or something that was really personal and um and uh Bible college started to feel like a really, really um, expensive waste of time when I started to doubt: Is Christianity yeah. true? Does Jesus even really exist? And here I am paying tuition and going to classes. I, um, it felt uh, like a huge waste of time. So that's how I got into all of this in terms of apologetics.
0: Hmm. Was there like a moment where you like really started to like doubt? Maybe like you're like. I don't know if I believe all this Christianity stuff is true. Like, was it like more of a gradual process? Like, what did that look like? Kind of like going into, um, like, when you had this period of doubt.
1: That's a great question. I think, um, and we'll probably talk about this as we go on further. I think a lot of it was gradual. I think it was is more that I had mindsets that were going to lead me into trouble with my beliefs in Christianity. Um, I had incongruous beliefs with what Christianity actually teaches and and those things were at odds. I felt as though it was, there were moments in which um, those doubts were revealed, like those ways of thinking were revealed. And so like Zeitgeist would be one of those um, or also just like in life, uh, even after I graduated from Bible college, I, I was still a Christian and I am still a Christian. But uh, yeah, like, you know, I would come across a difficult passage in the Bible that seems to contradict another passage. And that would be like another, like lighting a fuse of of, of doubt that could send me potentially down uh, days or weeks of just like spiraling in doubt, trying to find answers to my questions. So I would say that the realization of it was sometimes all in a moment, confronting something that made this, my realization, like my doubt kind of come to the surface. Um, But I think that doubt can often come from a way that we are living in a way that we are thinking about our faith functionally before the doubt kind of comes to head. Mm.
0: So I'm curious, just like, take us just one more, uh, a little bit more as we go through your story, like what kind of like looked like your process of your doubting, like what kind of like led you out of doubt? And like, now you have like a YouTube channel truth snack, and you talk a lot about like doubting and things like that. Like, what did that journey look like for you um, to where you're Matt, um, with a French last name, I can't pronounce on it. (laughs) What was the journey? What did the journey look like to you?
1: That's a great question. And I really appreciate it. Um, I appreciate how you framed it because it was a journey, Mm -hmm. um, which is a a word that I love to use on my channel um, because it, I think that we've, uh, maybe you're guilty of this. I've certainly been guilty of it. And anyone watching who is a follower of Jesus, often we are guilty of it. Someone has a tough question. Someone has a doubt. And, uh, and we throw a verse at them, mm. or, we, or we drop a two-minute little video we found online that gives them the answer to that question. Mm. We often think that it can, be, it can be resolved in a matter of minutes. Um, but for me, what was true is that um, I didn't feel better in a day as I was going through doubt. I, I, I felt maybe like a, a fraction better in a month, but it really took years for me to process through all the questions that I had and the doubts that I was working through. And so, yeah, I just appreciate that. But I also wanna say that to anyone watching who might be going through doubt, um, it's not gonna take a day, almost certainly not a month, but a year from now, you could be in a totally different spot. Mm. So what that looked like for me uh, to, to actually get to your question now. <laughs> No, no, you're all
0: good. Frame it as much as you want, you're good. You're good.
1: Yeah, um, w- what that looked like for me was learning to order my questions properly. Mm. And this is like, you know, like six, seven years past what I would call crisis mode, you know, in terms of my doubts. I'm kind of, uh, and, and looking back, there's a lot of things that I can draw out of those experiences that I really value. So here, I'll stop framing it and I'll just kind of give it to you, which is that people have a variety of questions and you will, When you're in a moment of doubt um you could you could have like 15 20 30 questions that are all bothering you in the back of your mind but i think that there's actually a very logical order that we should tackle those questions in um for example like if you're if you're not sure that there's objective truth or epistemologically that you can actually know the truth through investigation Mm -hmm. well then why ask questions like does god exist right and so it makes Perfect sense that you would start with those kinds of epistemological questions. How do I come to know the truth? So that was kind of this like foundational piece for me. Like, okay, yeah, I believe reality and then truth would reflect that reality. And there are means of actually coming to understand the truth. Okay, great. The next question for me was um, working through the existence of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, looking at different religions, looking at arguments for God's existence was a huge piece of that. Um, But I think that you have to, after truth, if you're looking into Christianity, the next question you have to tackle is whether God actually exists. Mm -hmm. Because it's really hard to believe that Jesus is the son of God and that the Bible is God's word Mm -hmm. if you don't believe in God, okay? Mm -hmm. I think William Craig does say, it's like if you can get people across the canyon of disbelief in God, And like the gulch of believing that Jesus rose from the dead is is nothing. Mm -hmm. So the question is, do you have a worldview in which you believe in the supernatural or you believe in God? And then I think um, now that we've kind of narrowed religion um, to the existence of God, a a religion that would be theistic or or deistic at some level, um, then Christianity gives itself the test of did Jesus really rise from the dead? So then, that, so then we tackle Jesus and, and we can look at evidence for that. And then after that, Jesus gives testimony that we ought to trust scripture and that scripture is real and that it truly is trustworthy and from God and it's authoritative and it won't be done away with and all those things. So that's kind of the, I feel like that was one big breath, but you can see um, what I just talked through this idea of truth and then investigating God and then investigating Jesus and then investigating the Bible. That was a lot of the journey that I went through. It didn't take a day or a month. It actually took years for me to kind of build up my faith again from the bottom to the top. Mm-hmm. And um, so what happens is, as I talk with people about doubt, is they'll often, you know, they, they might have a question like, well, how do I know God exists? And they will go like, but what about like, you know, the Canaanites and the Old Testament? Like, what? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about the existence of God or do you want to talk about how God acted in the Old Testament? Because Mm -hmm. if you don't believe in God, don't worry about the Old Testament stuff yet. You're ahead of the game. So um, that is how I navigated through doubt. And um, that's like that's I mean, obviously, the story is so much longer than that. But. um, Mm I still think through my Christianity and my faith, and I still think through helping people going through doubt in, in that same system. Where are you at in your journey? Some people are not all that keen or excited or really believe that they can know what the truth is. Um, so so let's start there, <laughs> before we start diving into evidence for the resurrection or whatever. So yeah. Um, I love sharing that just because I think it's really helpful for people and it'll take you from this place where you're overwhelmed with all the questions in front of you and it'll start to help you pinpoint what you might want to tackle first.
0: Hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And I appreciate, it. I'm very sympathetic to like a more classical apologist idea where we kind of separate these questions um, and they're like, does God exist? Did Jesus, did Jesus rise from the dead? Things like that. Um, so I think the next thing I kind of want to talk about is just like navigating doubt like I think doubt can just be seen as like this big like scary thing where it's like you're almost like you're stuck in the ocean you don't really know like where to even like look in the first place so like for someone like kind of like navigating doubt like walking through doubt what does that look like like on a day-to-day basis like how can they start to like process their doubts and just look at like truth and things along these lines
1: okay do you mean um do you mean more specifically like what resources I would push them towards
0: more like what can they do like if it's like i'm doubting i don't really know where to go what to turn to not necessarily maybe in terms of resources but more in terms of like actions um and i mean obviously i can relate to resources so i'll you, go wherever you think with it
1: um well uh, here you go let's start here um i just happen to have this in front of me because it's a, here's my pastor Matt notebook and um and i use this with my students just here because i live stream with the students i pastor and um i would start If I was going to try to help someone through this process is I would I would get them to write down their five biggest questions, the ones that probably are freaking them out the most. Mm. Um, There's probably a reason why it's scary to them, Um, but I would I or, or I would even just get them to write out all the questions they have the ones that are bothering them and if you're going through a time of intense doubt if you're in crisis then um, I bet you could probably write 20, 30, 40 questions that are, that are bothering you. Um, so I would start people at that point, like if I was having a specific conversation with someone, because I would start them there. And then I would start, and then I would probably ask them, take those all those questions and categorize them um, by, tr- by tr- are those questions about truth? Those questions about God? Are those questions about Jesus? Or are those questions about the Bible? Um, and and then I would do just that. I would start at truth and I would work through it with them. So that, that's that's where I would start to help. That's how I would start helping someone navigate through their doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's an assumption there, which I'll also just kind of throw in. And the assumption is that um, their doubt is uh, purely intellectual. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would also ask them questions um, and, and, and encourage them to see this not just as an intellectual thing, um, but are, are they struggling emotionally? Are they doing well um, mentally? Are they doing well physically? Um, I can't remember who said it. I think it's Habermas. Gary Habermas, he was saying doubt's worse at night, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is which shows that there's actually a mind-body correlation, which we obviously know because we get hangry sometimes, right? But if you're at if you're if it's late at night or you're not eating or sleeping properly, that can that can really affect your doubt as well and how it is you're feeling. So um, if I was navigating through doubt with someone, I would, I would do the intellectual exercises, but I would also be checking in on their overall wellness because it can have a huge effect on your relationship with God. Mm.
0: Yeah, a couple great points you bring up here. One thing I kind of want to like repeat and emphasize is this idea of like writing down, you you phrased it just like asking your biggest questions. because I feel like, at least in my experience, like when I've had doubts in the past, like I mean, we're all Christians, we've all had doubts. Sometimes, you know, like Habermas says, when you just sit there and you're thinking and it's it's dark at night, you may feel like you're like drowning. But sometimes when you just write these things down, it becomes a lot smaller and you can kind of like process kind of like what seems like these, all these different things going on here. So, what else is there? Because it seems like, I think for a lot of people with like navigating doubts, like who should people be talking to? Like who'd be turning to people? Like what does it look like in terms of like uh, just who we should be talking to um, regarding like doubts and such? Because I feel like it's, when you do this journey alone, it, it becomes a lot harder.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Uh, that's exactly right. I mean, you said something just then that that stood out to me, which you said, we're, we're all Christians and we and we've all experience doubt mm-hmm. and that is pretty much true like everyone most people have like a question of course at some point in their in their christian journey but doubt is actually like a lot more pervasive it's a lot more present than we than we think about it being <laughs> um so like there are there are like good stats out there from the barna group and um one is like that two-thirds of christians at some point will have significant doubt and that's a huge number of people um yeah. So and then and then eighty seven percent of those who are active churchgoers say that their doubt actually improved their faith at some point. So I mean practically, what you're what you're also kind of asking is like wh- who should they reach out to? What should they do? This is what I tell my students. I say reach out to people that you trust, and then only trust people who are trustworthy. Because that's just like pure logic. It's like you only trust people that are trustworthy. Reach out to people that you trust. Um, Part of the reason why I'm I'm doing this call right now is that I am happy to be a big, loud, bearded voice saying, "Pastors doubt, Christians doubt. Two third of people, two thirds of Christians will doubt, um, because when you're doubting alone, um, our Christian subculture can sometimes promote." Um, what Joel Furches calls uh, compulsive certainty. I don't know if you listen to uh, Unbelievable, the podcast, but I feel like anyone who's into apologetics mm-hmm. listens to Unbelievable with Justin Brierley. Yes. Joel Furches was on that show recently, and he was talking about people um, leaving Christianity. And he said that one one of the things that leads to that is is our cultures of compulsive certainty, mm-hmm. which is that it's not good enough if you're a Christian and you just believe you have to be 100 percent certain of everything that you believe which of course as a philosopher and as someone who loves philosophy certainty is pretty hard to come by right? yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to be absolutely positively sure about something because you can think of a situation where you might be deceived or you might be wrong anyway this is a, this is a long preamble to say this that there are people within christianity um who you will express your doubt to and they will want to fix it, and they may not actually understand it. And they might be afraid because they've believed the lie that to be a Christian means that you never have doubts, that you never have struggles. Um, so my advice to someone who's doubting is to reach out to someone who is trustworthy. Um, not just that they know the truth, but that someone who's actually trustworthy with your heart, like here's my pastor coming out now, (laughs) So it's like journey with someone who's going to love you patiently and be willing to go on that journey with you. Who's not going to try to fix you in an afternoon by slapping a verse or a book or a video on it, but someone who's going to be willing to go with you on that journey, not necessarily, but maybe preferably, someone who has gone through doubt themselves, and that's why I'm willing. To, I'm willing to stand up and go on YouTube and say I'm a I'm a doubter. I've doubted. A uh, pastor's doubt. Tons of people doubt. Two thirds of people doubt. Um, just so that the stigma goes away, so that people will be um, just more open to actually putting their thoughts out there. So that's I mean, like. That's a that's a part of the journey too, is just opening up to people who are trustworthy um, on that journey.
0: Hmm. I think it's so helpful to have people in our lives that we can talk to, um, like when we process doubts. Like a lot of the times when I'm questioning things or wondering, I just talk with like either my friends or my family. I'm like, "Here's what I here's what I'm questioning." Like just just lay it all out. And a lot of the times is you open up to someone, you realize kind of like the flaws in kind of like what you're thinking. Not saying that all doubt is flawed, because there's a lot of important questions that. We need to answer, but you know, it, it can just help you kind of like lay things out. So, I think one of the most common objections uh, to this idea of doubt within like Christianity is that there's a strong emphasis emphasis among some people of the importance of just having faith, like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you're doubting but you just need to have more faith and it'll work out and doubts are bad like the bible says don't doubt things like that um so how do you approach that idea of when someone would say hey matt you know you just you just got to have more faith don't doubt mm-hmm. you just don't have enough faith in christ
1: yeah well i mean let me start off by saying i i am i'm not in a place of crisis right now which is so awesome i actually would say that i'm a point of confident belief which is how i label it and it's and it's awesome um i would say to that person like let's just imagine that hypothetical person because i'd love to interact with that hypothetical person (laughs) let's call him like bob or whatever bob's like Matt, just don't doubt you're just supposed to have faith just go for it i think that would be um a great example of someone who has uh who's suffering from compulsive certainty this idea that doubt is not part of the christian journey Mm -hmm. i say that because um lately with my church i've been preaching through Matthew. Um, and and so going through that, you see all these stories uh, in the Gospels, which are obviously central to Christianity. Mm-hmm. And we see stories like Peter walking on water, a moment of incredible faith. Like here is a guy who has incredible trust in Jesus. Like who sees someone walking on water? And then thinks like, I want to try that, right? So it's like, whoa. He's like, hey, let me come out to you. So Jesus, go, uh, Peter goes out on the water. He's walking on water. It is incredible the trust that he is putting in Jesus at that moment. And then what happens? He doubts, mm-hmm. right? And then he starts to sink and Jesus reaches out. And then we have beautiful songs about it. And we all have a tear because we need to step out of the boat. And, it, and it's good, okay? But But that pattern of faith and doubt coming together um and kind of being like one moment of faith another moment of doubt like we see that throughout the new testament over and over and over again not with peripheral peripheral people to the christian story but with people who are right at the center of the christian story so we see that with like john the baptist who who the new testament like praises for his faith and the way that he served god and yet there's a time in, in john's story when he's in prison and he starts to doubt that jesus is really the messiah how is that possible this guy literally saw a dove come down on jesus and he heard the voice of god and he's like a prophet so you have to ask yourself these questions how can how can he have so much faith and then so much doubt and you can ask that of Peter. And then here's just one more biblical example, because I, I love this one. It's the end of the story. Certainly by now, they've learned not to doubt anymore. No, right before the Great Commission, it says they're worshiping Jesus. They're worshiping Jesus, something a, a Jewish person in that context would not do because they knew they know that that would be just completely off limits. Like you don't worship someone unless they're God. So they're admitting to themselves, I believe you're God what incredible faith they've seen Jesus risen and then it says but some doubted. Oh my goodness. Like how is this Christianity thing ever going to get off the ground? Everyone who's central to it has incredible moments of faith and then incredible moments of doubt. That's what I would say to that person. I could say, "Well, you could you could think that way." Like of course doubting's not great. Mm-hmm. Of course doubting isn't what God desires for us, right? Because there's that verse in in James where uh, where it's like you know getting tossed by the sea. Like doubt is not who we are made to be, but doubt is part of the journey in becoming a follower of Jesus who has faith. Mm. It's like doubt and and faith. Um, let's say that faith is like a muscle, and you got to strengthen it. And it's like there are moments of great faith, and then there are moments of doubt, and as your life goes on maybe there are fewer moments of doubt and greater moments of faith and so um yeah that's what i would say to that person that if you're saying that you can't be a christian and doubt i just think you need to you need to read about more christians in the bible mm-hmm. and see that they are going through these journeys of increasing their faith like and, and what also could be said to that and what i probably say to this fictional person is you have to understand that f- that faith is another word for trust that you could just as easily in the new testament be translated trust faith does not mean believing without evidence despite what richard dawkins wants to say it's not faith is trust and coming back to it Mm -hmm. we should trust things and people who are trustworthy and when we the more we learn about jesus and god and the bible and the more we realize that those truths are trustworthy the more we're going to have faith in it. And so there's a process there. And I'll just say one last thing, because this question is just so great. I love it. Um, what I want to do with my channel is not help people never doubt. Mm-hmm. I know that's what they want. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know that's what our whole you know culture and society wants. We want, we want a quick fix, something that's going to fix the problem fast with minimal effort. Um, but my goal on my channel is not to help people be completely certain about Christianity and get rid of your doubts as quickly as possible. That's not the tagline. The tagline is helping Christians become adventurous truth seekers. That's a journey. That's something that's ongoing. There's going to be moments of incredible faith and moments of incredible doubt and fear and unknown because adventure requires risk and the unknown. And so my goal is to help Christians learn how to to actually live in the tension of that journey and grow closer with God, because um, I believe in that process, because through that process, I became a confident Christian. Mm -hmm. And I believe that as other people are honest about that journey and work through it, that they're actually, when they research and investigate truth, God and Jesus of the Bible, they're actually through the journey, through the adventurous truth seeking, they're gonna become confident believers. So I'm not looking to, to be a Band-Aid solution to anyone. I want to help Christians learn to live in that process because I think uh, I can't I can't help them in, in five minutes, but I can help them become a, the kind of person who's going to walk hand in hand with Jesus. So um, yeah, I mean, that's what I would say to that fictional character. I, I'd say that is so great. And I can't wait until we're all with, with the Lord face to face and none of us have doubts. But until then, we should journey with him and learn to have faith when we doubt.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's so well put. Uh, one thing I'll add, as uh, we say to this fictional character that I made up, <laughs> and I think when you read the Psalms, you get this picture of kind of like what it's like to like just wrestle with God. Like mm-hmm. in prayer life, I think of like Psalm 22, where it's like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far um, from saving me, God? Like there's, if you read the Psalms and really all the Bible, you see doubt occurring. And It's part of the journey. Um, We've been kind of talking about this idea of just like a journey, um, but it's part of it. And I think one thing that's important to bring up this point is I think there's a right way to doubt and there's a wrong way to doubt. Like, I think there's a point where it could become sinful, but I also think there's a point where doubt is really healthy and it's important. And I'm sure you'd agree with me, Matt. It's like, Mm -hmm. what's the right way to doubt? What's the wrong way to doubt? Like, what do you kind of think about that topic?
1: Um, I mean, I would probably like, uh, that's a great question. I would probably reiterate many of the things I've already said, which is, um, the wrong way to doubt in mindset would be, I'm going to do it alone. I'm going to do it fast and I'm going to get back to a completely doubtless place. That would be the wrong mindset. The wrong method, in my opinion, would be, um, panicking (laughs) cause you have a lifetime to actually journey with Jesus. And to try to tackle every single question you have all at once, I would go for a truth, God, Jesus, Bible approach. Mm. Um, and then also just talked about this idea of holistically. So I don't I, I, I kind of dropped the nuggets of what I think on that, like the right way to doubt and the wrong way to doubt. Um, those are kind of the things I would say. But but a big part of it is um, the wrong way to doubt is to think that is to just completely st- even stigmatize your own your own doubt. And, uh, and not acknowledge that this is revealing something about who you are and what you believe. Thank God for the insight and begin to journey with him <laughs> instead of just trying to fix it and make it go away. That's probably not going to happen. You probably need to actually grow and journey with God and learn to flex that faith muscle more with him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'll probably have one more question, one or two more questions, and if there's any live questions, we'll go to any, any of that on our way out. If there's anything, um, do you have anything? It looks like you're about to say something right there.
1: Oh no! I what I was what was going on in my brain was I would love for people to ask questions. I was thinking I really hope people ask questions.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, if, if we do have questions, which I mean, we usually have a few. None so far, but yeah, we have questions. Mm-hmm. Be sure to answer those in a minute here. Um, but I think one kind of objection that would come up with like from like a skeptic or something is like you know doubts are just a sign of the weakness of christianity of the faith like you know um there's no good i mean i would i'm not saying necessarily Obviously, I'm not saying there's no good reason, but, like, the skeptic will say, you know, if you're doubting, it's probably because it's not actually true. Like, there's not evidence. I deconverted a long time ago. I'm speaking in place of a skeptic. I'm obviously personally a Christian, a very strong one. But, like, you know what I'm kind of getting at? Like, doubts are a sign of weakness, and that can kind of creep in people's minds. Like, what would you say to, like, this idea that doubts are a sign of weakness um, that a skeptic can think for?
1: Um, Oh, I I like the, I like the questions with like the made up characters because I'm trying to, they make me feel like, oh yeah, this is not an academic discussion. This is about real people. And um, if someone said that to me, I would go, I guess I would just point to my own story and I would say my doubts made me a much more confident Christian because it forced me to look into questions and actually assess them. I would also say really seriously, you're telling me you never have doubts about your worldview. Mm -hmm. Um, I I would try to be nice, but I go like, man, I'm scared for you because like every worldview has tough questions and things that, that are, that are hard to tackle. Um, I would say, Hey, you know what? Unfortunately, it seems like you're, you're importing this thing that Christian churches do this, this idea of compulsive certainty that you're not allowed to have any doubts. I'd say you shouldn't do that. It's actually really bad for communities um, because then people don't feel safe to express their, their thoughts and their doubts. So I would just, um, I wouldn't feel like my, the hair on the, or like, I don't, my, my back would get up. I think that's the saying I'm looking for. Like, I don't think I would get defensive. I would just go really seriously. If you have no doubts about what it is you believe, I would, I would just go like, I don't get that. Cause I don't live that way because I know me. And even if I wasn't a Christian anymore, I would still have tons and tons and tons of questions that I would be going after because I'm committed actually to being an adventurous truth seeker. Um, yeah. whether I'm a Christian or not. So, yeah, I would say that to that person. I would just go, like, I, I um, we're, I would go, we're really different people. I don't see the world that way at all. And, um, and uh, yeah, like, I mean, that's part of why I feel so passionate about just um, going, hey, no, everyone has questions, and it's okay. It's okay to be that person. Doubters are welcome within the church.
0: Yeah, I think with any more view, there's going to be, questions um, that we're going to have like just thinking like um in terms of like atheism like it's there's a lot of questions in terms of like their brute facts and infinite regress like like with any worldview that we're going to hold if we're going to follow it all the way through there's going to be big questions that kind of pop up um one thing that is really interesting to me to kind of think about here is like how do we find a balance because I think mm-hmm. that it's important to ask questions and have doubts. Um, is It can be healthy. But I also think there's a point where, you know, in Hebrews, it talks about without faith, it's impossible to please God. Like there's an aspect of the Christian life where it's like you're not going to get all the answers. There's going to be an aspect where there's just faith. Um, so, like, how do we balance the two? It's similar to what I said earlier, but, like, how do we balance between, like, having faith and, like, asking questions and doubting?
1: Yeah, um, I mean like so, oh man, I don't want to forget my thoughts because it triggered like so much in my brain. It comes back to this idea that do you believe that anything can be known? Mm. And if you do, then you should start building a worldview based on things that you think are actually true. Okay, so that's one answer I would give. The other answer that I would give is um, it's tempting to see doubt and faith as actually like opposite that you can't have both at the same time. You actually can doubt and have faith at the same time so so i would say that to people too is like if you think that because you're doubting you don't have faith that's just not true like there when i was in my crisis of doubt um there were still moments when i was i was still praying i was still worshiping i was still seeking god i was still i had i decided not to just uh crumple up christianity and throw it away i decided i was going to take a really Good long look at it mm. before I did that because I didn't want to just throw it away and then be confused for the rest of my life in, yeah. in looking for other worldviews to to doubt um so you can doubt which is which is talking about an internal psychological thing you can have a lack of confidence in what you believe but still believe it and have trust in it have, faith in it so the two are actually not side by side but i know what you're saying it's like you don't want to just live in this place where you're constantly in doubt all the time mm-hmm. um that's not good for you either um th- the answer to that question is is i i don't know how to help people through that journey unless we destigmatize doubt and we start to create processes we start to let doubters be welcome within the church but i want to bring up again that stat where 80 percent of active church attendees said that their time of doubt improved their faith Mm. why is that well probably because they ended up praying and seeking the scriptures and talking to people and talking to people that they trust and and doing research and finding and asking themselves whether there's any reasons to believe what they actually do so i i mean i what i don't what i'm not advocating for is just like go for it like what can you know just like big doughty journey and never know anything for sure. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying becoming an adventurous truth seeker, I really believe, which is why I have a YouTube channel where I try to help people do that, will move you down that path or better, or to keep my metaphor straight, or help you flex the muscle and actually grow your faith. So like, I, I mean, I can't promise like results because I, I just, no one can do that. But I but I do believe, and I will stand on this point that actually becoming an adventurous truth seeker, I believe will lead to confident belief.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, one last question I have to you, we'll open up to Q&A um, towards the end here is if you were like on an elevator, another hypothetical question with someone and, and you're there for like 30, 60 seconds and this person just opens up to you and says, Matt, uh, I'm really struggling with doubt here. Uh, Can you give me advice? What would you say to someone in terms of just like a quick like 30 six 60 seconds of like advice for someone who would be who is in doubt?
1: That's a great question. I'm not sure I could do anything (laughs) in 30 seconds. This is what I this is what I would do because I'm in this again a great hypothetical. I'm assuming I know this person. Um, If I didn't know them, I I, I honestly wouldn't know what to do. Um, Maybe I'd say let's get a coffee and talk about it if i knew that person all i would try to do in that moment is uh destigmatize what it is they're telling me and let them know that i will be there for them hmm. Th- that's what i would do in that moment like if we have 30 seconds like i'm off to a meeting and i i don't have any time to actually address what you just said i would just go like i'll go into character like i would just go like you know what like you know i've really wrestled with doubt myself and i understand what that's like and it's really tough but you know what like there are there are answers out there and i'm i'm totally willing to help you through that process if if you're interested in doing it because i think there are good answers that can help get you through this and i'm willing to do that with you i would yeah. say like hey text me later and we'll find a time <laughs> that's probably all i would say
0: we should definitely be looking to destigmatize doubt. Um, definitely something really important. We'll go to a couple of questions here. If there's any more, we'll probably be able to answer those as well. Um, the first one's from Rosie Clower. Uh, thank you for your question, Rosie. It says uh, Do you think you have advice for a new Christian who knows that God and the scripture is real and the truth, yet now has doubts that they can and are forgiven? Um, conviction is hard, to say the least. That's a really good question. Thank you, Rosie.
1: Hey, am I going first? <laughs> Rosie, um oh yeah thanks um new christians believe that god and scripture is real okay this is what i would say because i'm just gonna i'm gonna use the tools that i've kind of laid out in this conversation you're not having a question about the nature of truth or the existence of god you um are believing that scripture is real which means that you should be also believing that jesus r- died and rose for your sins and that you are forgiven so what i would say is um i would get into scripture and i would um here's something that i did when i was doubting is um i don't even know this is bad i I don't even know the passage that i used to say over and over again um to help me overcome my doubt but i would find passages that talk about you being forgiven from god go to that scripture that you're say you're say you're trusting in and i would actually learn scripture memorize it and then actually just start reciting that scripture day to day because the question that you're having is at a Scripture a Bible level, right? So if we're talking it's not it's not about the nature of truth or the existence of God or the resurrection and Messiahship of Jesus. It's a Bible question So I would start looking at scripture that talks about this idea that you are forgiven and loved unconditionally Here's a great one. Here's my absolute favorite the prodigal son coming home And it is unreal how he comes home and he is just completely screwed up big time he's wished his father's dead and he's coming home and he's actually reciting the speech he's going to give his dad to try to make it all right to try to like squeeze forgiveness out of his dad like if i just say this all perfectly god will forgive me and he and he gets there and his father runs to him with compassion before he says a word And then he starts in on his speech. You can, you can check out the passage. He starts in on his speech and his father interrupts him. He's like, I don't care what you have to say. I'm actually not listening to all how you're trying to like, get me to want to forgive you. I already do. And he throws a party and he kills the fattened calf and he celebrates his son. So when I say, when you start to to bake in scripture like that, um, then you're actually, you have to let that kind of actually get through, get into your head. And then, like permeate your heart and then come out through your hands practically in your life. So um, you're having doubt, like at this, I would just say to you, you're having doubt actually at this really high level. Like you're not doubting God or the existence of Jesus or that you can know the truth. You're doubting a scriptural truth. So I would say, get into scripture and utilize that beautiful relationship you have with Jesus to help you overcome how hard it is for you to believe what God has said about you.
0: Mm, yeah, thank you. Um, I'll just add a little bit uh, to what Matt said, a really great answer for Matt, but just digging into the scriptures is so helpful. Um, cause I, th- I love how Matt just kind of processes, um, looking at these questions like, does truth exist? Does God exist? Um, you know, Is the Bible true? Jesus rose from the dead. And it seems like uh, this person is saying yes to all three of these, and it's looking at kind of like, what does the Bible really say about this topic and soaking it in and just really kind of understanding it more. So reading the scriptures, so valuable in in situations like this. Uh, Another question here, um, from BDS, he says, um, how's it going, Benjamin? Uh, He says, if someone says that you less than 100% certainty means you're not saved, how would you respond?
1: Um, I experience those kinds of comments, I think that I'm presenting a different way from okay, I'm trying to be as nice as I can. There are lots of fundamentalist Christians and that's, that's totally, that's where they're at and that's their faith and that's the reality. I would say that is going back to this compulsive certainty kind of way of thinking. I would point to people in scripture who were like foundations of the Christian church and yet seemingly were not 100% sure. Um, you know what, I, I, in past times I've experienced this where I've called myself a doubter you know, to to be that lightning rod to destigmatize him. I'm a doubter, kind of like a Dr. Mike Lacona. He says the same thing about himself. He's a compulsive doubter, and he's like a totally awesome new testament (laughs) new testament boss and uh but he's he's just like he's a doubter and i've said i'm a doubter and i've had people say to me no you're a christian who struggles with doubt sometimes and i'm like i know what you're trying to do i know you're trying to like make it so that it's not my identity and it's not my identity i'm just saying that because it's a reality of what it looks like to walk with jesus this is what i would say um people hate tension I'm going to quote my boss now. Life is tension. If you want to, I'm a pastor, okay? You think it's not awkward. It's not hard. Church life isn't difficult. I'm married, all that stuff. It's like life is tension. Mm, There's always going to be tension. And if you, I mean, you can have 100% certainty. A human could be 100% certain, but understand that you can be certain and be wrong. Certainty is a cognitive state. Okay? Mm. So I would rather be confident that what I believe is true, um, but you can be blindly certain as well, right? So certainty isn't the goal. What I see in the Old Testament, because I'm reading through Ezekiel right now, is I see chapters of God proclaiming his judgment and frustration with sin, and it's awkward. and I hate the tension. And then we'll come to a chapter where God just says, like, and I will forgive you, and if you turn from your sin, I will give you a new heart, and I will not remain angry at you. And I'm like, oh, why couldn't you have done this like ten chapters ago? That would have been so much more comfortable. Yeah. Scripture is filled with tension, and life is filled with tension. So, if someone said, if you're not 100 sure you're not saved, I'd say, then by that standard, I'm not saved. But I, but I really believe I'm saved. And also, I would say there's lots of Christian scholars and pastors who would say, are you 100 certain? Uh, no even like the apologetics like boss like William Lane Craig it's like are, people have put that to him are you 100% sure? Nah, I don't I couldn't I don't know if I could say 100% but he's a confident christian and I'm a confident christian. I just not I just when I look at scripture which is the absolute foundation of fundamentalism I don't see a story in which we are being told that to be faithful we have to be 100% certain at all times. So that would be inconsistent with the christian worldview that they already have. Hopefully that was clear but I do encounter that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. I think it's very clear. And I think it's just helpful to remember, like what does the Bible say about like being saved? Ephesians 2, for by like, grace you've been saved through faith. Um, not from yourself, but it's a gift of God. I think mm-hmm. it's helpful in questions like this, just looking at what the Bible really says about what it means uh, to be saved. We have a question um, from Sage Collins here, which says, uh, could you explain Mark 9, 24, which says, uh, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Um, his question is, should we be inviting unbelievers who are curious about becoming Christians to pray that? Really interesting question here from Sage.
1: Um, I'd love to answer this question. Hi, Sage. I know Sage personally, and I love that <laughs> Sage is watching right now. So um, could I explain? Well, I'm not, I don't know. Actually, I do my Bible here, but um, I haven't like immediately done Study on this passage, but yes, I think that this passage I would encourage everyone to pray this. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. That's what I was trying to say earlier, where you can believe and yet still have doubt. You there's faith and doubt kind of coexist in this big tense muddle sometimes, and it's not clean. I know that I have prayed this prayer many many times, particularly in my times of doubt. I used to pray, God, if you are there would you reveal yourself to me in a way that is undeniable? Because that's how skeptical I was. Yeah. I was like, God, you could reveal yourself to me in some way. And I'm just going to go, that's my head. I'm making it up. It's just coincidence. I've had, I'm having some kind of like weird hallucination. I knew how skeptical I was that um, I, I could dismiss anything. And so what I was praying was, God, reveal yourself to me in a way that is undeniable. I think that's what's going on in this passage is, is that mingle of I want to believe and I'm crying out to you, but I still know that I'm struggling with belief and I need you to help me. So um, I think basically I think everyone should be praying this, whether they're literally praying or not, this idea that they're pursuing truth. I think this is the heart of an adventurous truth seeker is I I want to know the truth. There's all these things in the way I have to keep on the journey, even though it's scary sometimes to come to deeper belief.
0: Thank you, Matt. Um, Well, that's all the questions we have. So I just want to say uh, thank you so much for your time and answering uh, these questions and my questions and all the stuff, Matt, and being on the hot seat here for like the past 45 minutes. But is there any kind of like last thoughts, things you want to say before we start to wrap things up here?
1: Well, let me look at my notes. Um, I I don't know if there's anything more than I will say other than you can't ignore doubt and care for people. That's, I guess, the thing I want to say is, as a pastor, you can't ignore doubt and doubters. You can't ignore tough questions. You can't ignore tension and fear of the unknown and all of that stuff and care for people at the same time. People who are 100% certain are pretty few and far between and um, we have to admit that we're all on that journey, and we're on that journey together, mm-hmm. pursuing God. So, if mm-hmm. if anything I've said tonight makes it sound like I think that the that the end journey of doubt is to just kind of be, you know, like half baked, one foot out the door Christians who aren't really that committed to it all, I don't think that at all. Mm-hmm. I think that as we engage. Or, yeah, when God, when we're actually walking hand in hand with God on these really complicated human emotional doubting, sometimes certain, sometimes have faith, sometimes not journeys, it's in that that we can grow to become who we were made to be with Mm -hmm. Jesus. So it's a process. and, um, And I don't know if I said it, I think I said it before, like my goal is not to have people answer their questions really quick and stay exactly where they were in their journey my goal is as a channel is to help people become adventurous truth seekers for them to change who they are and how they live their lives so that over that process over days and months and years and decades they can become confident believers because they're not avoiding their doubts and tough questions but they're actually journeying with jesus through them
0: and i'd encourage everyone everyone if you're listening i'd encourage you to check out matt's youtube channel truth snack a lot of great stuff to continue this conversation and looking at doubts and all kinds of fun stuff over there so it's, it's like yeah below. yeah well I mean, i'll
1: just i'll just say like on my channel i i used to i've grown myself through the process because it is a journey and journey is mm-hmm. you've probably understood a big word for me uh, that journey and that process but i used to do a lot more videos that were like hey here's a thought or here's a little apologetic tidbit and that was good but it was very teachy. But now what I do is a lot more of like every month I tackle a very real question that I am sincerely working through personally. Mm. And I try to document that journey and I still try to give the answer that I've come to that that I'm holding on to and that's helping me be a confident believer. Um, but if that interests you, um, I do that primarily to just like model to people like, hey, this is what it could look like. To go, I have a tough question, and for one whole month, I'm actually going to try to answer this question through reading, through praying, through studying scripture, through listening to philosophers and all that. So mm. coming over to Truth Snack and joining me in that is just an invitation to be part of that journey with me because I'd love, I'd love to do that with you. Yeah,
0: well, I'd encourage everyone to go subscribe if you're listening to this. But, Matt, uh, thank you so much for your time. And I'd encourage everyone, if you're new to Hearing Apologetics, be sure to subscribe. You can leave a like, um, review. All that really helps. And if you enjoyed the show, you can support us on Patreon.com, so I should in apologetics. Uh, we're a little over 80% funded, so appreciate everyone's support through that. Uh, but, Matt, thank you so much for your time, man. I really enjoyed this conversation.
1: Uh, my pleasure. I've loved doing it. And I, I feel like I could keep going, but it's time. It's time. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it For
0: another day. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Matt, for your time. I'm so grateful. And I'm sure everyone else listening is as well.
1: It's been awesome, Zach. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Hope you have a good day. God bless.